welcome to the Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscars race. I'm your host, Jen Subchakshay Bankard, and I'm here with my friend and Baba Yaga in his own right, P.T. McDiff. We're talking John Wick 4 today. Hi, P.T. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. I, 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 yeah, I guess, I guess we're back. I guess, I guess we're saying we're yes, back. We, we couldn't, we didn't get enough when we covering the Oscars and now we're like, oh, maybe we can just keep going with this, uh, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, as I said, um, John Wick 4 is our main topic. We're going to be reviewing that film today. It just opened in theaters this last weekend, uh, when, you know, when we both saw it. Um, and, you know, so I, I still want to kind of include those who haven't had a chance to see it because it's all, it's only been one weekend. Um, so what we're going to do structure wise, if you're trying to plan out, oh, can I listen to this or not? We're going to have a spoiler free conversation first, just our general reactions and some sort of like guidance or recommendations. If you're on the fence about whether or not you want to see this movie, we'll kind of talk about that. You know, who should be seeing this movie and who shouldn't probably. And then uh, once we w- we want to switch to a spoiler discussion. Uh, we'll dig deeper into breaking down the plot and the themes. Uh, and there are some doozies with this movie in terms of spoilers, I want to say. Um, so, so that's, you know, you know, choose wisely as, as you go forward. Um, but first, before we get into that, we do a really, really quick, uh, movie news check. So, so PT, what's, what's been going on in the news lately? Have you seen any trailers that you're excited for or kind of like what's, what's been on the brain in the yeah, movie world? I mean- in terms of uh, in terms of news, though, it seems like for for our some of our interests uh, that that over uh, overlap here on the uh, on the show, um, there they were just announced a couple of big premieres at uh, at Cannes, uh, the Cannes Festival. Uh, first is Killers of the Flower Moon, the uh, upcoming Martin Scorsese movie, and presumed I don't want to say Oscar frontrunner, but Oscar play. For sure, from uh, from Marty uh, and and Apple Studios, uh, and also apparently premiering there is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. They would be there. Yeah, that that hit social media today, I think. Right, and that's a pretty that's pretty fresh mm-hmm. fresh news. And I remember being at once surprised and super excited, but also sort of thinking, "Oh, does this mean it's actually really good?" Right. Because presumably, it wouldn't be premiering at Cannes if it weren't. Really good. Yes. Although Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull also premiered at Cannes. Oh, it did. Nope. <laughs> there goes that theory. Um, well, that's really interesting. Solo, a Star Wars story, premiered there. Uh, if I oh, so they just track. really love Lucasfilm at Cannes, which I don't think I really knew. <laughs> I assume. I think we think of. I have this stereotypical image of Cannes as being kind of like very stuffy and and not very um, open to pop culture stuff. So that's fascinating. I think the out of competition zone is uh, sometimes has real commercial stuff. I want to say that I think I saw that there was one of the prequels also was there. I think Revenge of the Sith episode three. Mm. Uh, So yeah, there's, there, there is that sort of commercial element. I would love to believe it means that uh, it's a, it's a marker of of quality uh, or at least confidence uh, if, if nothing else, which maybe there also was for all of those other movies, however uh, valid the confidence ended up being for the audience. That's super exciting. I'm also very excited about Killers of the Flower Moon. That's that's supposed to be a noir sort of mystery. Yes. Right? And the book it's based on is supposed to be incredible. I have not read it. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the two eras of Marty Scorsese together. It's DiCaprio and De Niro 
working together. Plus, Jesse Plemons is, I think, theoretically the lead character. Uh, and uh, it looks like a whole big cast. And they've been working on, I feel like they filmed that movie before the pandemic, maybe. Uh, but they've been working on it uh, and editing it for a long time. Uh, the female lead in that, Lily Gladstone, I believe her name is, I saw her for the first time in a Sundance film uh, called Fancy Dance, and she was amazing. So I was like, oh, yes, like, I'm so glad that she gets to be in this huge movie. That'll be exciting. My thing is that I think Greg, uh, iancanon.com, friend of the pod uh, <laughs> and and collaborator, uh, is uh, just posted, uh, or he might have texted it to me, the movie poster for Asteroid City, the new, the next Wes Anderson f- uh, film came out. And it looks, I mean, it's just a picture of a, the crater in the desert, but it looks amazing. <laughs> Well, it looks amazing because it has the cast on the on the right hand side, and the cast is incredible. It's like Margot Robbie is like the fifteenth name on it. It's just it just keeps going. Yeah, uh, that's all amazing. The people, uh, all the people who are in it. Yeah, that's. Um, I guess the trailer for that coming out tomorrow as we record. Uh, so by the time people listen, it's probably already out there. Right. Uh, and it is coming out. Uh, I I did know maybe this was already known. It was news to me uh, that it, that's coming out June sixteenth. And uh, that's the same day as the new Pixar movie, which also got a new trailer today, uh, Elemental. Oh, which, right. Uh, only looked okay. I watched that trailer. It only seemed Aww. fine. It looked kind of like, what if you did Inside Out, like a kind of again? But it's the elements instead of emotions. Uh, but, you know, it's Pixar. I'm sure it'll be pretty good. And it is, you know, penciled in, I'm sure, for the best animated category. Right. I wonder where they'll go from here in terms of they, it seems like every film they make now gets more and more high concept mm-hmm. and abstract. And so it's like, will they loop back to something really basic and, and mundane after this? I don't know. Um, but yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, that, yeah, that's good. That's a lot of good stuff that's, that's buzzing to get excited about. You mentioned that we had texted back and forth about the trailers before seeing John Wick. Yeah. It was a weird uh, collection, at least. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, to to begin our uh, or to, to transition into our discussion, uh, maybe sh- discussing our viewing experience. Uh, I saw it at the Alamo Drafthouse uh, in downtown Los Angeles, um, which for those listening who may not know, is a, a chain of theaters that is, uh, you know, they're, they're I think they were, if not the first one, one of the first ones to sort of have a system of bringing you food and beverages uh, and having you know, have a little table in a recliner. Uh, and they're very uh, strict about, you know, no talking, no texting. They'll come and like yell at you and then they'll remove you. If you are warned after one warning, you get removed. Uh, and uh, you know, it's a great, uh, great theater. I really like going to, it's sort of our, our preferred theater now that the art light is closed. Uh, but uh, it does sort of lead to a, calmer environment or like the audience is less like energized so i don't know i didn't have necessarily as many cheering and and hooting and hollering um outside of myself uh in the uh in the theater um but uh that also meant you know they do their own kind of uh, uh pre-roll uh that, that they make and so we got there like 20 minutes early. They gave us like five minute summaries of each of the first three John Wick movies, uh, interspersed with clips of Keanu Reeves from the CBC when he was growing up in Canada as like a teenager. Uh, and then all these trailers, which was a really weird mix of like horror movies, like genre movies and, uh, like potential blockbusters, which I guess makes sense as a sort of intersection of, uh, what, 
you know, uh, what John Wick is and the John Wick franchise is. Um, but the one that really stood out that I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen this full version of it. I think I had seen like uh, a little bit of it uh, is Bo is Afraid, which is the next uh, uh, Ari Aster movie um, that feels still creepy, but not quite as much of a horror movie as uh, Hereditary and, and Midsommar um, with, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix and Nathan Lane and other people who I'm not remembering right now. Um, but it definitely looks like, you know, there's, it's gotten some buzz as like, oh, this could be Ari Aster's like breakthrough with uh, awards. It's, it, you know, he's broken through in terms of box office, but uh, in terms of awards consideration. And it felt like it is very sort of like family, but also weird and different, like, genres and like it it looks like it turns into a stop motion movie at one point and there's like some a lot of weirdness is happening in the vein of uh potentially like everything everywhere all at once so uh it's possible that that may be seen as another spring release that is you know in that mold are are people going to sort of move to that as uh, a potential uh, candidate for a future Mm. oscar yeah that would be really interesting and like i think i've heard a lot of critics say you know, does this open the door? Does everything everywhere's success open the door for other genres like horror? Um, so that'd be, that'd be really interesting to see. It's, it sounds like I had different horror. Like I had, I had a similarly weird assortment of trailers that confused me. Like, why are they showing me this trailer before this movie? Um, but they were different ones. So I think the main one that I remember was, uh, Evil Dead Rise, I believe is the name of the next Evil Dead movie. Uh, and I, I had heard about that. Uh, when it premiered at um, South by Southwest and it was a whole thing on the internet of like there was a guy in the audience who became very hostile and they sort of everyone sort of like booed him out of out of the theater um, and, and but but then then the, the people talking about it were also like also the movie's like not, like it's okay um, and I just remember watching this trailer one being confused. Why are all these horror trailers before John Wick? Like, I don't really, I'm not that, I'm not that big of a horror person. And I don't feel like, like, because you're going to see John Wick automatically, you're interested in all the new horror movies. Like that was a confusing choice to me. And then after I saw this full trailer, which was seemed horrifying, uh, and not something I would probably want to watch. Then the evil dead rise title card comes up. I'm like, that's an evil dead movie. What? (laughs) So, uh yeah it was just i was just baffled all around so yeah it doesn't it didn't seem funny at all it just seemed like pure straight horror uh which is weird to me for evil yeah which i usually like well i was gonna say the weird thing for we also did get that that was the first trailer but it was coming off the back of like coming up and like at the, the the theater is they're doing a screening of evil dead too and so they're like Evil Dead 2 with like like a rowdy screening where it's like, you know, everyone will like say parts of the movie back or blah, blah, blah. Um, that's like one of the things that the theater will do sometimes. And then it went right into the Evil Dead Rise trailer, which is seems like it's trying to be a very serious horror movie, which is just sort of like, oh, OK, why are we doing that? Like, isn't the point is that like it should at least be like kind of quirky and funny. But I don't know either it's not funny or the, they didn't think the funny would play in the trailer. Uh, but yeah, that was a weird choice. And that did set the tone for like, what, what's going to happen with these, with these trailers, which sort of had the, it was like genre. Uh, and then it sort of peaked up with like, okay, blockbuster, we got a guardians trailer. 
we got a Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Uh, another potential uh, uh, Oscar player, maybe uh, below the line, um, which that looks great. Uh, and then some sort of stranger genre things on the other side. A like finish, I think movie from the studio that brought you John Wick, which is always a good billing, uh, which is like a John Wick kind of guy, but killing Nazis in the 40s. Um, a movie called Yes, Zuzu. we had that one too. I believe the, tag, yeah. the tagline was, you've never had so much fun watching Nazis get killed or something like something that. Something like that, to that yeah. Effect. Uh, it was, yeah, that was, yeah, that one made sense. I was like, the style of this movie, that it's over the, like sort of over the top, bombastic flashy action sequences it's it's a guy on a mission to kill everybody right like i was like this tracks this this is the thing that that probably should be previewing john wick uh the other the other all the other trailers i saw didn't make any sense but um anyway we should start actually talking about john wick 4 um so yeah again this is the spoiler free section we will make sure we announce very clearly when we're going to shift over into spoiler mode um but for now what what's your general response what was your relationship with the john wick franchise going to this movie and how'd you like it i loved this movie i had a great time that's that's the headline uh i i recommend anyone who has any, the remotest level of interest in seeing it should go see it. We'll discuss in more detail uh, you know, who may or may not have interest and why. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was uh, this was excellent. I have enjoyed all of these movies. Uh, I went uh, and saw the first John Wick uh, when it came out. Uh, I don't know if this is a, a, a worthwhile story, but I'll say it anyway. I made plans to meet people, but over on the west side, uh, completely uh, screwed up uh, how much traffic would be. It was a, a rare rainy day or it used to be rare, at least uh, rainy day in LA. And so like I left my house and it was supposed to take me 35 minutes to get there an hour later. And I had only gone like a third of the way. And so I bailed and went on my own to a different movie theater to watch it at the same time. Cause I was like, I'm just going to see this movie and I'm not going to be able to meet my friends. And so I watched it alone and was like, this movie's, amazing uh and have uh you know felt have enjoyed it each sort of step of the way um we can maybe when we get into the spoiler territory get into some of the you know what i like more but more or worse across all of them uh my initial reaction leaving the theater was i liked this one the most since the first one um but uh, you know maybe if i when i watch all of them again i will i will feel differently, but I'm, I'm on a high, I'm on a high from this movie. I'm very positive with it. How about you? The same. I would say this movie definitely exceeded my expectations. And I was a fan of all the other ones as well, though. This was the first one that I saw in a theater. Mm. Uh, I sort of caught up with, I feel like the, when I saw the first John Wick movie was much after it came out. And so it was at home. And then I sort of caught up very quickly and saw the, the, I think I saw the third one around like, you know, soon after it came out, but didn't get to it in the theater. Um, and I am similarly sort of like, wow, this is the fourth of this, this franchise and it's still blowing me away and it's still really great. Uh, so that, that in of itself is impressive. And I've definitely heard that kind of echoed across other critics assessment of this movie too, where like, yeah, if, if they're ranking them, usually they say, this is my favorite one right after the first one. Um, you know, there are a couple outliers in, in that, in that sense. Um, but that's, I feel like that's the consensus assessment, um, of the movie. And so, yeah, it was, it's just like, 
and and I to go back to my theatrical experience of of this film. I saw it in a theater, but it was like a fairly empty theater. It was a late Sunday night and it's a relatively small theater in Orange County. And we made up for the lack of people with the amount of noise that we made during the movie. Um, that I have one friend in particular who was sitting right behind me. A uh, shout out to Ben Broad if you're listening to this. Uh, go play Marvel Snap. Uh, he, he's one of the co-founders of Second Dinner makes Marvel Snap. Uh, and he has just one of those booming voices that fills a room. And so he's behind me. And in certain scenes, which we can't talk about yet because it's not the spoiler section, uh, he was just going, oh, or, oh, like, and there's, and like, and we were all doing it just to varying levels of, of volume. Uh, and, and so, you know, even the, at first I was like, oh, like, this would be so amazing when a packed theater kind of in the, at the beginning. But then we, I feel like we quickly overcompensated <laughs> for our lack of numbers. Um, so it was, yeah, it was a really fun time. And I think at its core, if we're thinking about like, do we recommend this movie to people and who do we recommend it to? I feel like it just is a really fun time at the movies. Uh, so I feel like if yes. you like action movies, and you're okay with lots of violence because that is a prerequisite. Um, like I'm not just recommending this movie to anybody. You have to like a certain type of film um, that is very violent and sort of like puts the stunts and the action and the fight choreography at the center, right? Like that's what this movie is about. I think what sets the John Wick franchise apart from other action film franchises or even other IP franchises is like, it is all about the the stunts and the fighting, but it actually has a pretty decent story under <laughs> underneath. Like, like, and I say story as opposed to plot. I feel like this is one of those, those movies that where you have to kind of distinguish between the two. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm really invested in John Wick as a character because all of these movies sort of like give us a core of his character and his motivations and stuff like that in a way that makes it very compelling. And then the building out of the world, this world of assassins, um, just from like a fantasy or sci-fi, even though this isn't really strictly in those genres, like the fantasy or sci-fi uh, world building, I feel like is very strong where it's like a very consistent, like, oh, this is another world that you want to learn about. And so from that perspective, I feel like this is definitely worth the time if you are into that kind of movie. What do you think? Like, who's who are, we, who are you recommending this movie to? Yeah, I mean, my... It, the, the bar is definitely, like you said, you have to be okay with a, a violent movie. This is uh, a, you know, does not hold back. It is a, it is a, a very violent action movie. Uh, so anyone who is like, ah, I don't really like that. I don't, I don't gain enjoyment from watching the, the choreography and execution of, you know, scenes of people fighting, scenes of people shooting or chasing each other. Um, that, that doesn't give me any sort of joy, um, or, you know, just like, I don't want to see a bunch of people shooting guns at each other. Like that is not going to be, uh, enjoyable. Then yes, you should not, those people shouldn't see this movie and everyone else should like everyone who is okay with that, like should, <laughs> I think should give it, uh, give it a shot. And I, you know, for reasons that, uh, you know, I, I think that you, you really nailed it where it's, you know, the. It, it is one of the movies that is sort of based around set pieces and there's, uh, you know, what, six or seven maybe that are sort of the like, oh, it's this sequence or it's this sequence. It's this sequence in this location or it's this sequence where these, this, these things happen. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of movies like that, um, that, that exist. And then everything in between is either boring or disinteresting, uh, or just flimsy. Uh, and this has the sort of, 
dual layer action. I'm describing it like a, like a pill, um, but it's got a dual layer action of like a very <laughs> core, basic, understandable character motivation. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, from, from the first movie, um, if we can, we can dip into slight spoilers for, you know, three movies ago, it's, you know, it's a character whose, uh, whose wife has died. And then, uh, he has a dog that he got from the, from the wife to sort of be like, take care of this, uh, when I'm gone. And then bad guys come and kill his dog. And he spent, he's basically spent the rest of these movies, like, avenging that or de- or or continuing the fallout of what happened from avenging that and it's just sort of like yeah anytime that that's like there's a reminder of that or anytime that there's any kind of, it's like yeah i get it like cool uh, all in got it and so it's very distilled and and simple and then there's this like the margins of the movie is this crazy world of assassins and international intrigue and like etiquette and codes and rules and laws of this underworld that never fully comes into focus but like is you always get enough information for what you need to know to like understand what's happening and all of that is interesting enough and also mysterious enough that you're like cool i'm enjoying that and like you all you don't realize that it's kind of just linking you into another big action scene uh so you know i think it's you know, it feels deceptively easy to have like those elements put together, but it's rare. It doesn't happen that often. And this is just this kind of action movie genre filmmaking executed at a supremely high level. Had you rewatched any of the previous films before seeing this one? I didn't. And I, I, I wish I had. I, I did sort of rely on and, and it, it paid off that the theater we were going to this is one of the things they do is they have you know especially for a big movie uh that they you know will be showing a bunch of times uh they will do a special pre-show and if it's a sequel like when we saw i saw wakanda forever there uh it was like oh here's a whole rundown of black panther and the avengers movies and blah 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 so i was like they're probably gonna give me a recap i don't need to do i don't need to watch these movies again beforehand and i'm glad they did because there was stuff that was like especially the third movie where i was like oh I didn't remember that at all. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I do think um, in terms of, you know, if the question is like, do you need to have seen it? It's certainly like the, the, the allure of that mystery of what's happening on the edges is probably lost if you haven't sort of followed the building blocks of what came before. Um, that said, I mean, if you are like, I don't want to commit to six hours of, uh, or however much it is, maybe it's up to seven hours of three previous movies. I just want to see, you know, bang, bang, fight, fight, shoot, shoot. Um, you could go and have a great time at this movie. Yeah, I also did not rewatch any of the movies in anticipation of this. But I also didn't get your handy dandy. This sounds amazing. Like, I should be going to this theater. Uh, the sort of, like, the catch-up uh, summary. Previously on, the previously on of just for movies. Uh, and... Uh, I did not have that. So I went in kind of cold having not seen um, any of the movies for a really long time. And I was totally fine with it. I just rolled. I, it, yeah. Like you're saying, it was pretty easy to kind of be like, oh, right. Yeah. I kind of remember that there was a thing, a guy that he killed in the other movie. Oh, okay. Like I'm, I, let's let's roll with this. And I really feel like they do a nice job of just being like, like 
referring back to things just enough. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, okay, I kind of understand for the purposes of the scene, like what's happening. Um, and I don't, but however, right after, after I saw it, I went back and read the Wikipedia pages for the plots of all of these movies. They're very complicated <laughs> in, in writing, like, it, which is amazing. I feel like it's, it's like, cause they, first of all, they don't really need to be. And, and they all kind of make sense. Like, it's not like it's at first I was like, oh, wow, is this a lot more convoluted than I thought? But then I was like, no, if you actually think about this leads to this leads to this, like it does track. It's just very, it's just a lot more complex than what I remember. Um, I, so, I, think, yeah. I think the movies are so visual, like, and they, they tell their story well visually that the attempts to write it out is probably probably like yeah it was funny i was like oh i'm glad this was a movie and not a book like a book (laughs) i had to read because this seems like really overly complicated um so yeah so i think yeah i would say in terms of like again this is mainly for folks who haven't seen the movie yet if you know you haven't watched if you're new to john wick i mean i think you should watch i would say if you have time watch the first one because i think the first one like you're saying really does although you just explained it so i don't know maybe you don't need to watch the first spoilers uh (laughs) the that really does introduce the core of john wick as a character um in a way that i feel like is very consistent across all four movies and so that's enough to get you like okay i get what this what's what the deal with these movies is Mm. um but yeah i would say if you if you don't have time even for that and you go just want to you have a bunch of friends who are going and you want to tag along i think you'll be fine i think it's and that's and and it's one of those things if like if you want to opt in for really understanding the nuances of like the table and the underworld and the assassins not like you said all the rules and the etiquette and like what's going on with that i feel like there's a lot there to appreciate and enjoy but if you just want to kind of be more passive about it and just be like this looks amazing and Mm -hmm. it's so fun watching all of these fight scenes and kind of the creativity of the fight choreography uh and the visuals like this movie is absolutely beautiful it's just like every shot i feel like is so well composed and dramatically composed and just like really artistically nice um that i was just like this is this looks why to the point where i walked out of the theater and I said, other action movies have no excuse now. Like, what are other action movies doing <laughs> that they don't look like this? So uh, my my viewing, like, habits or, or patterns include, like, when my, uh, my girlfriend will go to sleep at night, like humans do, uh, and then I will be awake a little while longer. I will usually, like, throw a movie on, especially if I have to do, like, work or I'm doing something on the computer. And it's, like, a movie that I'm going to pay, like, 60% attention to. And I had put on the 2018 version of Robin Hood with uh, Tyron Egerton and Jamie Foxx. And I had watched, like, a little more than half of it. Uh, and then, like, and it, I was like, this isn't good, but whatever, like, it's happening. Then, then that was one night, and then the next day went to see John Wick Chapter 4, and then the next night finished that Robin Hood, and it was r- a real shame for that Robin Hood movie, because, like, I jumped back in right into an action sequence that was just, like, cruddy CGI, like, oh. <laughs> overly chopped up editing, you had no real idea what was going on, it was just sort of like, right, like, this is what like a a middling action movie looks like after seeing you know after you get yeah. this 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 fillet uh fillet of a movie um, i also would say that if if you like james bond movies this is really yeah. for you because it is sort of like gr- more grown up and better executed james bond and i say that as someone who loves james bond movies 
But I feel like, don't you, especially this yeah. fourth movie, because it, it is does the globe trotting exotic locale thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, uh, there's all these like sort of like, like iconic global backdrops and, and, and like it definitely has sort of like a, especially like a European sort of flavor to a lot of the, the sequences. And, and I feel like if you like that about James Bond, this is just like a very well executed version of that, um, where it's like, oh, character we like who's very brooding goes travels from country to country shooting people (laughs) like like if that's if that's something you like about james bond i feel like that's something that you will like about these because it's really well done um but and that's especially true of the fourth movie i don't know if i would say that about the first movie you know what i mean because the first movie doesn't really do the globe trotting but this one i felt like this is like carmen san diego with murder Yes, I, I think the third the third one started down this path too of like yeah. I mean I think the second one had the first like go to another city the first one's entirely in New York uh, and then the second one was starting to go to another city and I think they've just been adding locations um, per per movie so yeah I could definitely especially the Daniel Craig because like you know that sort of violent like real kind of uh, right it's got uh, the greediness of the Daniel yeah. Craig Bond movies yeah but like hard are like. Elevated in that way, or the yeah. violence. Uh, and again, like I would say, yeah, the action sequences are all executed better. Uh, the other, yeah, the other sort of, uh, I guess there's, there's one group I would caution against and one group I would highly encourage. The caution against would be, uh, you know, if there's anyone who is just like they, they like to nitpick or they're just sort of like, I don't know if all this fits together. Cause like it doesn't, like this does not all fit together and that's okay. Like, you know, if, if you are someone who like cannot find enjoyment, if it's just like, I don't think the physics of that would work out, then it's like, you're right. Like it wouldn't, and you may not have a good time because this is even, even for a heightened reality series, um, we'll talk about like spoilers as we go, go into it. Like it only gets more heightened. So if you've already sort of been questioning the series in general, um, then that may be something that could be a, a stumbling block for someone. Uh, but that said, said that, um, the other group of people who, if they haven't already thought like I could be interested in this, uh, people who really like video games, uh, the, the people say, talk about there's no good video game movies and there's frequently not, but like, this is in many ways a video game movie, including one sequence that is, I have no way to think of it as anything but a direct homage to uh, a pretty popular uh, video game, I think, pair of video games um, in terms of how they set something up. But it's just like, you know, like this is the level that this is the this is the little like thing you got to do to complete this 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 stage. And then you move on to the boss and then you move on to the next thing. Uh, and it's great like it's really also fun the idea that there are always more guys coming always got yeah there's as soon as you think there's like oh there's a new wave of bad guys coming um once uh w- once you think that you have a breather no the reinforcements and they're they're tougher they've got stronger armor so you have to use you have to you have to improve your skills um to get it done so yeah i, I again it's hard it's hard because like you know there's people who are uh, I feel like the people who wouldn't like this movie probably already know it like deep in their bones that they wouldn't like it. I just feel like anyone on the fence who's even like slightly inclined, it's Should worth go going. Yeah. And like Jen said, it is really worth going to in a theater. Uh, even 
you know, I, I realized I was, I was thinking that like, oh, my theater was so quiet because no one was like standing up and like stamping their feet or anything. But there were a lot of oohs and ahs and, and oofs um, for, uh, for violence things. And, you know, I don't want to say all of these movies, but certainly this movie, uh, it like, the, the 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 cackle per minute rate from me uh was just incredibly high i just think in the first even the first like three minutes i was cackling like eight times um like as soon as the movie started and uh it's it's you know that's wonderful i that, that that's a wonderful thing i agree also you know and i think this is we'll wrap up the spoiler free section now but if you are a fan of martial arts films or Hong, like any sort of hong kong mm. cinema right action action movies I think this is also really great because there's, it's heavily influenced by that. Um, this movie in particular also has heavy influence from samurai films, I think. And, and also Westerns, like it's, there's kind of like a couple of scenes I can think of that, that kind of seem to be drawing from sort of a Clint Eastwood sort of style Western movie. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that sense, I think that's definitely, if you're, if you're like, wait, what's the deal with John Wick? Is it shooty shooty? And it's like, it is very shooty shooty, but it's also, there's also a lot of great martial arts in it. Um, and then, and Donnie Yen is in it, which we, I can't believe we've made it this far. It's, we're half hour into the pod and we haven't mentioned Donnie Yen's name. It's this crazy. is shameful, uh, cause he's incredible. So if you're a Star Wars fan and you liked him in Rogue One, uh, I definitely think you should need to, we don't want to spoil why, but I think, but like, we can in about a minute. <laughs> but, um, I think, I think you definitely would want to check him out just for that reason. And he's, he also, honestly like is going toe to toe with Keanu Reeves in terms of star power mm -hmm. in this movie. It's amazing. Um, he was probably my favorite secondary character. Um, could yeah. even argue he's a second lead. Like he's that yeah. prominent yep. in the movie that he, yeah, he could be the second lead. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I don't know all the actors names, but I, I do know that the, that there are multiple other, uh, actors or characters who are played by actors who are prominent in sort of direct to video, uh, or I guess now it'll be direct to streaming because it's not you know, 1992, um, direct to streaming martial arts movies, uh, and, you know, have, uh, you know, have a, a real sort of base of, uh, of experience and, and also, you know, a, a fan base. Um, and it's just, you know, they show up and you are like, this is great that this person's here. Uh, and they do, they do what they do, which is pull off amazing stunts and these incredible action sequences. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's a really good yeah. movie. All right, I think we've hyped it up enough. Hyped it up enough. So if you haven't seen John Wick, here's your exit. <laughs> exit stage left. Please go watch this movie. Go see it with some friends. Have a great, have a great Friday night at the movies, and and come back and and dig into the spoilers. And we're gonna, I think, I want to start with like the biggest spoiler. So really, it's like I'm gonna count down from three, and if you if you haven't turned us off, I'm really sorry. <laughs> so you are three, two, one. Okay, John Wick dies at the end of this movie? Question mark. Does he? But uh, by what are your, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? So so yeah, it's like let, let us let me walk us through the final sequence in the film, right? So he has gone through the duel with Donnie Ann's character Kane. They've tricked Bill Skarsgård's wonderfully delicious villain. And it's like really satisfying when they get one, one up on him. And what, well, you know, then it's like the surprise. Oh no, he, Keanu Reeves, or oh, sorry, John Wick is actually, has actually been shot. 
He go he tells Ian McShane's character Winston, Winston, can you take me home? And then he sits down on the steps and keels over. Cut to his headstone, right? Mm-hmm. So like that, you know, that's definitely designed to make us think that he has died. The language of cinema tells us that he died. Uh, and and also, I will just add, when he sits down on the steps, he has like flashbacks to his wife. Uh, yeah. And uh, and he, it had already been before the uh, long, uh, uh, deliciously long uh, action sequence says leading up to this fight. You know, he had that there was a discussion with Lawrence Fishburne. I feel bad that I don't know the names. Bowery King and Winston and John Wick uh, are uh, are talking about like headstones. And John Wick is like, make sure mine says beloved husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Or, yep. you know, you know, and then so then it, when it, you know, he lies down on the steps. Uh, and it, the thing is, it's John Wick. He's taken like a thousand bullets during the course of this movie. So you're like, yeah, yeah whatever. Of course, he got shot right. three times. And fallen from like 12 buildings. Right. As mentioned, like the physics and the, re- the realism is uh, is not fully on point. Um, but it's like, yeah, he lies down and then it cuts to his headstone. And it's like, oh, no, they, they're clearly setting this up um, that he's dead. I don't. I just don't buy it. Well, I don't buy it on two levels. There's this, there's the sort of real world level of uh, he's not dead. He will return in 2024 in the Ballerina, a spinoff movie of John Wick that's set before John Wick Chapter Four, um, which will include a character from John Wick Chapter Three, uh, Colin Parabellum, uh, the the Ballerina, uh, who used to be played by somebody who I don't know and is now going to be played by Anna de Armas, and. Uh, Keanu and Ian McShane and Lance Reddick, RIP, filmed his scenes already. That movie, I guess, is done. Um, oh, wow. So John Wick will be back. He'll be back in theaters, but it it, it pre you know it's sort of like it could be like Black Widow. It could predate um, the on screen death. But I was a hundred percent convinced. Oh, this is this is just you know he's uh, uh, he, he wins the duel. When he wins the duel, he's absolved of all the responsibilities of the things he has done that have betrayed the head table. Um, the leaders of the underground world, um, which I, I, if you're listening to this and haven't watched these movies, uh, sounds like nonsense. Um, and it is, uh, it is in many ways, but uh, it's delicious nonsense. So, uh, so he's done that. So he's like, you're free. And, and he's basically like all the things that he's done again, since he went out to seek revenge from the first movie uh, has, has finished and is closed off. And so it makes total sense if he's just like, I just want to go and live a life. And you know, go do whatever uh, that he would. You know, his, he would be buried. He would the, the whatever is his, the name would be buried. Um, now the fact that like uh, the uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, the, the Bowery King, has his dog, his new dog that he got at the end of John Wick. That's the that's the big uh, sticking point for my theory that he's still alive. Is like, oh, but John Wick would get his dog back. Like he wouldn't go into you know a a you know fake death fake his death and then go into hiding without bringing his dog with him. So, mm-hmm. so I, I I believe that if they Oh, so when they're in the dog, cemetery, the dog's with King? Yes. Oh, okay. With, I didn't uh, remember that. Uh, I believe, well, now I'm just talking from memory, so maybe I'm wrong. But that was my No, no, you're probably like, oh, right. It's at, Once you're saying it, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I think, well, okay. So you mentioned that his work is done in terms of his uh, vengeance. But it's kind of not because didn't he sort of promise that he was going to kill everybody on the high table? He did, but I think that he did that because they were coming after him. And oh. so 
the way like my memory which again is heavily skewed by what the alamo draft house chose to show me before the movie was you know the the first movie is pretty self-contained and it's the the guy there's the uh, um theon Greyjoy uh kills his dog uh and so he goes to kill him and then has to end up killing his dad because his dad's like a russian mafia guy um and you know that's that then the second movie is someone comes in and is like i know that you said you were retired but i have i'm I'm calling in a a, a chip uh or or a coin um and he was like i don't want to do that and then and then he pushed back on it and the guy basically made him go and do it and then at the like towards the end of that movie uh, Keanu kills that guy at the hotel, which you're not allowed to do. No business on hotel. Right. He property. breaks the rules. They mentioned that the like rules. a thousand times in this movie. Can't break the you rules. Broke the rules. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got to follow the rules. Um, that's that's if, if nothing else, that's the takeaway. And so, like, it, it everything from the end of the second movie through the end of this movie felt like him being like they're after me because I broke the rules, and I'm just going to keep breaking rules because. Otherwise, I'm going to die, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, when he was saying, I'm going to go and kill everyone at the head table, it at the time felt to me like that's the only way I will be free of, like, all of this. And then he, like, they found this sort of approach, this loophole. And by they, I mean Ian McShane's character, Winston, um, proposes, like, here's a way out. Um, you know, I, basically, like, I think the answer is uh, John Wick is dead until... Keanu Reeves and uh, his collaborator uh, decide they want to make these movies are like if we made John Wick five we'd make so much money. Yeah, Uh, that's 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 sort of when where I'm at. To me, this is a very clever way to end this film Mm -hmm. because it, from a meta perspective, leaves it like it. To me, if they said, you know, for whatever reason, we're not going to make any more of these movies. Right, Keanu Reeves wants to retire. He's like, I don't want to be Tom Cruise. Like, I, I, I want to, I want to live the end of my life, not worried I'm going to die in a helicopter. Um, <laughs> right? uh, if that's the case, I feel like this movie works, right? It's if if we take it literally at face value, what we saw, he died, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's it's neat, it's clean, and it works. But I feel like the way that they shot it also could leave it open to, oh, he just faked his death. We showed you that he had a all we showed you was that he was that there was a headstone with his name on it right mm-hmm. we didn't actually show you and like he collapsed but like later he recovered right yeah. like there's the, it's yeah. the door is 100 percent open for them to come back in with no problem with no 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 one's gonna raise an eyebrow if they're like he's back so <laughs> so you know, people are just gonna be happy they're gonna be more john wick movies yeah. so so i think it's really smartly played what something i heard and i can't um i'm i feel bad i can't remember exactly which podcast this was it was either next best next best picture or the big picture or both uh but i feel like there was this behind the scenes story where it they decided there was actually going to be john wick 4 and john wick 5 mm. with this arc but then because of covid they decided just to make john wick 4 that makes sense because one thing that i'm it's not as surprising as not mentioning Donnie Yen for 30 minutes, but we never did mention for the poor people who haven't seen the movie. It's incredibly long. Now to me, it didn't feel long. Like I was actually surprised when it became clear that we were entering the end game of the movie. Cause I was like, I thought this was three hours. And 
you know, they had not realized that like two plus hours had gone by. Um, but it is very long. It's, 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 and it's an epic. So it would sort of make sense that this, they had maybe outlined this as two movies and, uh, condensed them into, into one. Um, it was, it, it's interesting, especially, I think if you contrast the end of this movie with the end of chapter three, which is like, it, it seems like things are, going to be relatively okay then john wick gets shot by his friend and he gets uh rescued by uh you know the the sort of king of the the homeless people the bowery king Lawrence fishburne's character and it kind of ends with just sort of like don't you want to get revenge and him being like yes and so it was like oh like we're doing like and, and i remember like up until the last like 10 minutes of John Wick three in the back of my mind being like, well, this is the best trilogy of the, the 2010s uh, are these three movies. And then it ended. And I was like, I don't think I can say that because this is clearly not a trilogy. They're ending with setting up a new movie. But then on the, uh, the big picture podcast with uh, uh, there's an interview uh, that Sean Fennessy did with the director uh, whose last name I'm reasonably certain I'm going to mispronounce. Uh, it's Chad Stahelski. Um, that sounds right. Um, and he was talking about how it was like, well, we finished John Wick three and we didn't know if we would do any more. So we were promoting it and, you know, just talking about like, man, it was like, this is, you know, it's one of those to, to continue, uh, the James Bond comparison kind of sounds like whenever Daniel Craig would talk about James Bond, where it's like once it was finished filming and then the promotion was happening, it was like, oh my God, I never want to do this again. Uh, and then a little time would go by and you'd be like, okay, actually, sure. Right. Um, and so contract they were like, three in a contract negotiations later, he's back. Exactly. Um, so, you know, again, yeah, maybe that's it. But the, the, um, Stahelski story is that he and, and Keanu Reeves were doing the last bit of promotion, uh, in Japan, which is like the last major place it came out. And they like essentially, uh, like started like riffing in a bar about like what it is they'd want to do. And like, Stahelski was like, I want to, I want John Wick to have a Lawrence of Arabia scene where he's on a horse in the desert. And, uh, and then Keanu is like, I want to have a big fight up a flight of stairs. And then Stahelski is like, I want to fight in a, in a club that's just waterfalls. And it was just like, boom. And they like worked out all these like sequences, like in a night. And then we're like, okay, I guess we're going to do John Wick four, but it would be absolutely crazy to me if they ended after three, which is clearly setting up another movie. So like that would have been strange. Whereas now it's like, it's very clean. If they want to end it, yeah. this story makes a ton of sense. It, it feels very um, uh, self-contained uh, with the space for there's going to be an off this, that offshoot movie. There's going to be a TV show um, that's coming out uh, at the end of this year, I think, the beginning of next year. That's young Winston and young concierge, young Lance Reddick. Um, that's going to be on Peacock, I think, or Paramount Plus. I did not know about this at all. This oh, sounds great. It's three 90 minute movies. It's like, it's like old school Columbo style season. It's three 90 minute episodes of TV that's set in the seventies at the hotel in New York. I'm in. Seems, sounds great. I'm in. Like, I'm going to watch And that. so that's the thing is they could keep doing that without necessarily it being, you know, putting almost 60 year old Keanu Reeves through the grueling nature of right. filming. Wow. It's really, it's really well and truly a franchise now. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, like that's the part of the movies that i i eat up all of the all the world like i said earlier all the world building stuff like all the rules of the the high table and the etiquette and i'm just like give me more of that i just mm -hmm. i love i love the idea of like honor among thieves or in this case assassins 
um, and how there's like, it, and the, the rules are really elaborate, but universally understood and, and just sort of the, the finery and the elegance to a lot of the, 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 the high table and kind of like the associated power structure, uh, and how, you know, the iconic scenes where it's just like a chair and a table and some like nice stuff in the middle of this crazy backdrop, like in the middle of the desert right? or, you know, <laughs> in front of the Eiffel tower. <laughs> like, like oh, I, love, I love all that. So having a TV show to kind of really explore the ins and outs of the, that mm-hmm. world um, and not necessarily tied to John Wick as a character. I feel like I'm, I would also be in, uh, interested in, in that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the, like the markers and everything has kind of like a gothic old world feel to it, which I really yeah. love. And we definitely, that definitely, I feel like was even maybe more prominent in this movie uh, with all of the like, like, especially when we go back to the, was it Roma? I want to say Ruski, but that's not what it is. <laughs> the, the, the Russian house or family. Yes. Um, right. The place where from, he was adopted. Where they tore his ticket. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And there's they they sell it so well where they were like, I we tore your ticket like that. It just that in of itself. If you just said to that someone on the street, that would sound ridiculous. But for some reason, the actress who plays Tonks, who I don't remember what her real name is, which is terrible, um, right? She's like, I will mend your ticket, right? Like, and you're just like, yes, <laughs> mend the ticket. We gotta mend it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Natalia Tenner. Oh yeah, there we go. Thank Only you. because I at I first her... I was like, is, is this? I'm like, is that Mila Jovovich? And I'm like, no, no, no. I get those two actresses confused all the time. Yeah. Um. All right. So the other big death in this movie mm. is Lance Riddick's character, uh, whose name actually escapes me right now. I know he's the concierge, and he ha- he has a, like a French name. Hold, uh, I'll, I'll look it up while you're I'm talking. Picturing. C H A R O N, but I don't remember oh, how they no, pronounce it. You nailed it. I think it's okay. like Sharon. Sharon, okay. Because I was like, I it's think. not Sharon. <laughs> that's, but in my head, that's how I want to pronounce it. Um, yeah, his, uh, and you know, for those of you who don't know, though, I feel like it was all over the news, so it would be hard not to know that Lance Riddick very recently in real life passed away and, and it was very, very sad. And, you know, I, I was a huge fan of his. Obviously, he's iconic from The Wire. I mean, he's in so many things. I really loved him on Fringe. That's like one of my mm-hmm. like cult classic like favorites from when I was younger. And he's amazing in that show. And so, you know, I was sort of bracing myself of like, oh, like, how is that going to feel knowing that he just died and watching this film? And then his character dies. Like how, did that hit, how did that hit? How did that? Yeah, really fast. How did that hit for you? Uh, I mean, it, it hurt. I, I, I will say very sad i i also love lance reddick and and the work he did uh the you know he's he's one of those like there's so many people in the wire but he's so he's such like a, he's such a cornerstone in like he in his own sort of foundational way like he's not very showy there's a lot of like clips that you would show of a bunch of other people first before you would ever get to one of his scenes but he's so good um at what he's doing he's steady he's a steady presence in yeah. the show i think that's why yeah um, and he, he carried that forward uh, every time he showed up. It was just like, oh man, like I'm so happy. It's it's uh, it's Daniels. Daniels is here. Um, but uh, yeah, I went in. I mean, I didn't know. I w- I had avoided spoilers. I had no idea 
uh, I was kind of like, I, I'm assuming they're going to set up more John Wicks. So I was kind of bummed about the idea of getting into this movie and it being like, and we can't wait for our next adventure with all of our friends, right? With, like him not being able to be there. So like, it was shocking. It's, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it is early in the movie and it is, you know, it's, it's meant to be like a shocking twist. He's just executed by uh, the bad guy, um, the marquee. And uh, it's, you know, and again, in these movies, because people get shot all the time, you're just like, oh, this guy just got shot. But like, he might be fine. Like, they'll take him away and blah, blah, blah. And then he dies. Uh, and it's just like, oh, no, like, this is, it's very sad. Um, on a weird level, I was happy that he was able to bring closure to the character um, before, um, you know, before his time uh, passed. Uh, you know, that's, I, I would, I would. Yeah, it, it it definitely made me made me uh, extra sad in that moment, uh, and then later in the movie, whenever he's brought up and is discussed, it's uh, you know it, it does make it extra poignant. Right. The yeah, and I I that's actually what you said is exactly what I was going to say that it was, you know, obviously sad watching it because you you're reminded that he's actually dead in real life. Uh, but I did I was like, oh, this is nice. This is not unresolved, and then they have to deal with him not being around to film the next one if there's another one you know like mm -hmm. I, I from a meta perspective i thought it was nice um but yeah certain lines i feel like because winston at one point says like he was a good man or something like that and like those sorts of things hit extra hard i feel like because because you know the backstory of the actor yeah. and what happened to him um but at the same time because they film and there's also like a weird dramatic irony for us as viewers right because it's like the actor's filming these scenes clearly didn't know he was going to die and so like there's a weird like they they're pretending he died but he actually died and that's weird for us because we know that but they don't um so so yeah it was definitely but i thought yeah like i think it was the best possible outcome for a situation like that as opposed to like so many other actors who die partway through production of a franchise and then it's like oh what do we do like carrie fisher's mm -hmm. like the big the big one that i think of in terms of like so many choices had to be made that wouldn't have been made otherwise because she had passed away. And like, how do you be respectful and how do you do? So I'm glad they didn't have, they don't have to deal with all of that now. Yeah. The, the moment when he is shot reminded me of the moment when in the last Jedi, when Leia slash Carrie Fisher is sucked out into space and it's just like, Oh, we're, we're, this is already, this is going to happen. We just have to deal with it. And, Unfortunately, Sharon did not have the force that could allow him to put himself in a position to be to be saved. And so, you know, the, that did not uh, have the same eventual outcome. But that was the same immediate reaction of just sort of like, oh, oh, my God, like we have to I have to stare this in the face like right now in in the middle of this movie that I've been enjoying um, and suddenly deal with mortality. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, uh, it was it was an unwitting but still uh, appropriate um sort of uh epitaph i guess yeah. for for the performer so i'm looking at our rough outline of things and i'm like I'm the like, bad the to tonally like what's your favorite fight scene probably is not a great one to follow so i'm gonna switch <laughs> it up a little bit and okay. i want to talk about the the themes because actually like i think the idea of brotherhood and friendship and like even though we're all cold heart like cold-blooded assassins who have to kill each other and turn on each other potentially the idea of like you know where does your not just like loyalty but like like how how at what point does following all the rules of this game mm -hmm. no longer work and then you kind of like 
choose to go against those rules and for whom do you choose to go against those rules? And I feel like, I feel like, you know, Lance Riddick and, and Sharon's death in that context, I think makes a lot of sense, right? Cause that's sort of like the, the, the loss of him. And he was one of the characters who was like, because he was the, the manager. No. Concierge. That's concierge. Cause Winston's the manager, right? The, uh, that, you know, as the concierge, he's like this, like, reliable supportive presence right he's this he represents the safe the safe haven of the continental right especially for john wick and then so the idea that like he's the one that dies makes them all feel like wait a minute like what are we even doing here (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and that theme like echoes out out so like in terms of that like what did you see because obviously we talked a a lot about like the plot is something you, if you choose not to engage with, you like you kind of don't have to worry about with these movies, right? Because that's not really their priority, right? And I think that's totally fine. Um, but you know, in this one in particular, I did feel like there was an incidental, perhaps, but in an attempt to have some kind of like thematic glue. And like, what did you did you pick up on anything when you were watching? Yeah, I mean, like there, there's something interesting about the the dynamic i guess between or the tension between the sort of uh, the, like we were saying this underlying like there's or there's an order to this to the chaos of the world and you know in particular you know and, and that order comes from rules and 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 i mean not laws per se but sort of the laws of these organizations and you know it's 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 all like it's hitmen and assassins and murder and all, all these terrible criminal things um but it's like well we follow these rules and we have these these things that we have to do um and that's what you know that's what has to be done and that's so like again like it's so appealing and it has all this um like you said that sort of gothic or or classical elements to it uh that of, of the way that it looks and the way that it sounds um and the way you know the sort of the formality of it where um, I, I believe I could be wrong. Winston is the the manager is the only one who calls him Jonathan. Uh, yes. Who was like, I, I must use your full name because uh, that's that's what people do. Um, and and how often they just acknowledge each other is like Winston, Jonathan, and like the back and forth there. Um, but there's this sort of this formality of society and sort of of civilization. But then there's also the sort of problem of this top down uh, like power structure of like the table um, that. Uh, that John Wick has been fighting against like the whole time because he's just sort of like, I, you know what? Like sometimes I got to do this thing that I got to do and I don't really care about you uh, or your rules. And, you know, again, I will, I will threaten all of you. Like I will come after every single one. And, you know, the beginning of the movie that um, the Lawrence of Arabia scene, which to, to briefly talk cackle per minute like opening of the movie, it's like he's punching something. Lawrence Fishburne's giving some like crazy speech. He walks in with a suit bag. So you're just like, well, he's getting his suit back. That's great. And then like, w- literally, I feel like it's within two minutes. He's doing the uh, blowing out a match, match cut literally to a desert sunset. And it's just like, yeah, we're doing it. We're Lawrence of Arabia. Let's go. Um, but the guy he kills there is the sort of like, I think technically was like, I mean, the boss of the high table, like, he was a person that they that John Wick or he not him I guess it was someone else a different actor but it was like the elder who's out in the desert um, that John Wick went to go see and he cut his finger off um, as a as a sacrifice to get whatever it is he needed to get at that point um, and so there it's so like but then he goes this time and kills him and so it is like I'm going after everyone who will potentially go after me and so it's the tension of 
all these rules that we really like, but then the person that we're really rooting for is kind of like, screw the rules, like, or like the rules mm-hmm. aren't going to matter. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that interestingly ties in with what you were saying about like, maybe it isn't the rules that matter, but it's about these people. It's about the sort of brotherhood and, right. and connection. It's not like the continental and it's not, you know, the, the, the hotel, it's not the rules. It's not the whole like network and system of people, but it's the actual individuals. Right. And it's really questioning sort of the ecosystem, the, the delicate ecosystem that they've set up, right. In terms of like, who's really benefiting from, from this and who's getting exploited, right. The assassins. Right. And, and I, I do feel like in this film through Donnie Yen's character, Kane, mm-hmm. you really get that right. Because his whole thing is he's basically being held hostage. Right. And he feels like I have to, try to I have to fight my friend because otherwise they're they've got my daughter right like mm-hmm. I'm gonna go after her and then I and I feel like the 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 he and the manager of the Osaka Continental mm-hmm. were sort of two sides of the same coin right because like his thing is like you know I, I love you John Wick you're my best friend but like there's nothing I can do. My hands are tied. Whereas the manager of the Osaka, who, uh, Osaka Continental, who I can't remember his name now, um, uh, it was Koji. Koji, thank you. Uh, has the opposite reaction, right? His daughter is like, "What are you doing? Like, you can't get the whole high table mad at us." But he's just like, "John Wick is my friend, and this is what mm-hmm. you do for your friends, right?" And it was so it was so clear cut a decision for him. Um, and and I love that contrast. I love the idea that like. You know, the, that like, who, like, yeah, for whom do you break the rules? Like, if you're really that good of a friend. And then Winston has a line, I feel like, towards the end of the movie where he's like, or no, sorry, it is Koji. Koji, before, right before he dies, I think, says something like, what is friendship if it is convenient or something mm, like that? Right. Right. Um, and so he's clearly kind of made a stand and willing to accept his own death. Right. Um, so yeah, I just I just like the thematic, and I don't remember those sorts of themes being in previous movies necessarily, and so I thought that was like a really nice um, bonus, like because like you know it didn't need to have themes <laughs> as we've established. I would perfectly have enjoyed this movie without themes, uh, so that was a nice yeah, that was a nice bonus uh, to have in there. Um, I, I would think I would think if we went back and watched the other ones that there's some sort of a theme. I don't know if like maybe any yeah. theme play came through as strongly as this. Uh, I will note for the uh, for the the listeners at home. I don't remember the names of all these characters. I just I have my phone with my the Wikipedia page pulled up. Um, that's why I, I can I can look it up while Jen's talking uh, and and fill in the information. But uh, yeah, I mean I I agree with all those things you were saying. I think there's something interesting about how. Uh, you know, and maybe there's something to like J- John and Kane would never really like be super angry at each other, but it was this was unstated, but felt clearly intentional to me that Kane was in the position that John Wick would be in if John Wick's wife hadn't gotten sick. Like, right? Someone yeah. would have, sh- someone like the Marquis would have shown up and been like, "We need you to do something, and if you don't do this, we're going to kill the person you love." Yeah. Um, and you know, for, for Kane, it's his daughter for John Wick, it would have been, you know, his wife. But the thing is, is that like, because of the events of the first movie, no one is left, uh, in John Wick's, um, immediate life. So he's, he's, that's why he's off being a loose cannon. But that I think that there is a connection there. It's like they're friends and they're antagonists and they're, they are always sort of rivals and fighting each other. Um, but, uh, are never, 
um, you know, they, they never sort of have real animosity. And I think it's because they know like where their station is and that either one could just as easily be in the other person's position. Yeah, for sure. And that, and that's what makes their scenes together and their rapport really fun, I think, because it's like, they're still joking around like they're friends. Right. Uh, but they're like, Oh wait, but now we have to fight. Um, and so, yeah, I think, and yeah, they get it. They get, they get where each other's coming from and they don't begrudge. They don't begrudge each other at all. This is just like, this is just how, how it goes and sort of like business as usual kind of. Um, but then, you know, what's really great to me about the ending is that mm-hmm. even though that's been clearly established as their relationship, right. They still manage to find a way to work together they to, do. Out, like, to outsmart the system. Um, and so again, yeah, this idea of like breaking rules, like you were talking about earlier, that's so fundamental sort of John, John Wick's arc is like he, once he breaks the rules, then he's just like, has nothing else to lose. And he's just like, let me keep breaking all these rules. But then it's like with this movie, it's, they use the rules to win. Like they're, Mm -hmm. that's like, they play, they play within the rules to finally, to, to gain victory over the marquee. So it's like the idea that they're, they're not, it's the knowledge of the rules, which arguably they might not have without Winston, I guess, but it's mm-hmm. their, their, their knowledge of the rules and how the rules work. And also like the old ways or the old right. rules. I feel like they reference that a couple of times where it's like, there's some, like, there's some weird idea that like there are rules that people don't really talk about anymore, but you have to have like read some book somewhere <laughs> to know right. that they exist. I don't know. Or the charter for the table. Yeah. Um, to, to know and be like, hmm, like actually like, you know, Appendix B says this um, and to kind of like catch people out by knowing the rules. And so I just thought that was really interesting that that's, that's ultimately how they kind of came together was by, by knowing the rules and then knowing the loophole that would allow them to kind of gain the, gain the upper hand. Um, yeah. And from the perspective of uh, our, our protagonist of John Wick, like, he only once it gets to the duel he only does that sort of uh, the convoluted steps of basically like signaling to uh to Kane of like shoot me um i mean like they, they it's a duel they're shooting at each other but he says something that clearly like Kane gets right it's coded it's like he's like i forget what the only the is. no well, who clings to life dies and who clings to death lives it's something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And which and, somehow and, is code for shoot, fake shoot me. And then we can win. <laughs> right. Well, no, it was, it was, it was like, I'm not going to shoot. You shoot me. And you know, let like, they knew right. the guy, the, 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 the real bad guy, Mar- the Marquise would say, you know, he's so arrogant. He's like, I want the coup de gras. I want the last shot. Um, and then, you know, that gave Keanu a chance to kill him because Keanu hadn't uh, pulled the trigger. Uh, but like, all of that is only necessary to save Kane. Because he could just kill Kane and it's John Wick. Presumably he could do that. But like all of these steps, all those extra steps there at the end are because he wants to, you know, like save Kane. Like Kane gets liberated too from all sort of demands because that was his, uh, the deal he made with the Marquis. Uh, and the Marquis agrees before he gets his head blown off. Uh, and so yeah, there's, there's something of like, the banding together and working together to make it happen. Did you, had you clocked um, that John Wick hadn't shot in the last segment of the duel? Cause it nope. was like in the back of my mind, I was like, I was like, there's only one shot there. But yeah. Like, I didn't notice that. I'm not that observant, but, but it was, to me, it was more when Kane is like, 
do you want to have the final? Then I was like, oh, then I sort of like, oh, okay, they're faking him out. This is great. Uh, <laughs> so good. yeah, I knew, I knew right before John Wick says, or like whoever it is that says he hasn't fired. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, I like I had guessed that that was what was going to happen. Like right before that, like a couple seconds before that. Yeah, um, it was great. Which is great because it was like, just in time enough to be like, oh, which is right. obviously is what they're going for. Yeah. Um, all right. Think- so what's interesting is like I love that the duel is the last fight here because it is like considering all of the flashy fights that we have up until this yes. point that it's this really like gentleman's duel like really stripped down thing. But at the same time, I feel like if I'm picking my favorite scene, I'm trying to segue into our next topic. Uh, if I'm picking my favorite action scene or fight scene, that's definitely not the one because it's like pretty basic in terms of like, like there's not a lot of fighting happening. So, so what, you know, leading up to that final scene, which is, you know, which is really dramatic, but you know, from a stunt perspective is not, is not the most, um, not the standout. So what, what were some of your favorite fight scenes or action sequences? Cause there's so many to choose from. It's really, there's, there's so many to choose from. So I'll be, I I've got three that I feel like I need to discuss. If, if you discuss at least one of them, I have no problem with that. Uh, I'll start with the staircase, um, which is, is the penultimate sequence in the movie. It's the big sequence before the duel um, at the, at the church. Uh, Sacred core? It's something like Sacred that Heart. That sounds right. Yeah. Is I, I I assume it's Sacred Heart. In my mind, I was like, I could translate that, even though I don't know French. Um, but I, uh, you know, it's it's which is a church at the top of a hill in Paris. Um, in, by my understanding, I can't say I know that, but I read that afterwards. Um, and so at one point, like the the you know the second later part of the movie, um, for those listening who haven't seen it, uh, is uh, basically they they set the terms for this duel. And it's if John Wick wins, he's exonerated of everything. Um, and if he doesn't, he dies. And uh, then the bad guy is somehow, this is one of the things where I was like, why is this allowed? Like, why are they allowed to still try to kill him? Um, the bad guy keeps bumping up the the, the price, uh, the bounty on John Wick's head. So all the bounty hunters in Paris are coming to stop him. And so he's trying to fight through all them. And the last bit is he's at the bottom of a staircase. He has to fight upstairs. It's a total video game sequence of like, work your way up the stairs. The stunts are amazing. It's, it's impeccable. Everything's going like super great. He makes it to the top. And then the like right hand, the top henchman of the marquee shows up and just pushes him down and he falls all the way down the stairs to the bottom and has to do it all again. But then Donnie Yen shows up to be like, I'm going to fight with you, even though they're making their way up to, to duel each other. Um, but they're just sort of like, we both have to get there to like get you. We both need the the chance of exoneration. And so then it's the two of them going up the stairs and uh, fighting even more people. Because as you said earlier, just more waves more, of dudes. Always more thugs. They're yeah. always more coming it's around just, the oops, corner. Oops, all henchmen are all showing up. So I'm going to say that one. That one was just phenomenal. That's a, that's a really great one. The, like, and yeah, the moment when you realize he's rolling and then he keeps rolling and keeps going, that actually got probably the biggest audible reaction in my theater. Um, most, again, mostly probably, probably from my friend group that I went to go see it with. Um, but we all were like, Oh no, no, <laughs> like, he's, getting, he's all the way back at the beginning. Um, and as there it was hit, one. Hit bottom. There was one more audible reaction, which is from a character that we haven't discussed yet. Or uh, oh, which Mr. Is Nobody, 
Mr. Nobody and his dog. Yeah. The, the most uh, uh, audible reaction was the the uh, character that had tried to kill the dog. Um, yeah, well, that's that also had happened. He had his, um, that was there was a big like gruesome reaction when he had the knife with his hand. But no, for, for listeners, I was gesturing, cutting my hand. <laughs> yes. Um, Sorry, that which, was not podcast friendly. Uh, well, I just thought you were a bit like you should talk about the hand thing. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I thought you were you were giving me a heads up. Um, but uh, no, the the he has a dog and the dog's with him. And in the John Wick universe, uh, defending a dog is uh, highly valued. Um, so he has been tasked, you know, to kill John Wick, and he's going to get thirty or sixty million dollars—a little unclear. Um, and then instead, because John Wick had protected his dog uh, when he didn't need to, uh, he's like, "I'm going to help John Wick in the staircase fight." And when uh, they, they finally take out the guy who is the, bank, the the main henchman of the Marquis, who was the guy who was about to kill the dog, the dog walks up and pees on him. And that was that was the one time there was there was hooting and hollering in our theater. Everyone was like, okay. yes, everyone was excited. That's fair. That's fair. I like that. Um, I was gonna say that one of the because because when you, I thought you were gonna say the the scene where the marquee makes him cut through his hand because that was I think that was another really loud moment where mm. everyone's like, oh no. <laughs> um, but the yeah, I, okay. So to pause for a second because like I yeah I love I love all of this. And I really actually like the Mr. Nobody character, but my big criticism of this movie, if I were to have one, which I guess I do, is I just just don't know what his character is doing in this movie. Like, I like the character. I'm interested in the character. I like that he has a dog. But other than that one payoff moment, which, I mean, I don't think I would trade. So I'm not saying, like, let's get a, get rid of Mr. Nobody, right. uh, because I love that moment where where you see John Wick he has the choice of like shooting Mr. Nobody or shooting the guy who just hurt the dog. And he very like visibly turns right to protect the dog. And that earns the respect of Mr. Nobody. Like that was an amazing moment. And I wouldn't give that up for anything. So, but, but the same in terms of like the, the story, I just didn't understand. Cause at first when they introduced him, I said, okay, he's a guy with a dog. This franchise likes dogs. Mm-hmm. Does that mean somehow he's going to be like a a double agent of some kind? Where is he trying to trick the marquee? Why does he keep calling the marquee? <laughs> right? Like, is it just up? The, like, it, his motivations to me were not clear in a way that was not like mysterious and therefore fun. It was just confusing. Um, and then I and then once once the moment where he he sort of changes his outlook because he's like, wow, John Wick protected my dog, and my dog is the most <laughs> important thing. And in this moment, we are now bonded forever, right? Because we both love dogs. So, you know, other than that, once that happened, I was like, oh, he's in here just for this. But then he just sits on a bench and watches the rest. And I'm just like, what are you doing here? I don't understand. I mean, he gets the he gets the cackle. He's he's the audience stand in. Stand in? the cackle on his bench. I I agree. I think, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't want to out of this movie if someone was like you have to if john wick was like i have 30 guns and they're all on you i would be like okay um i guess like maybe we don't need him but even though i did sort of leave being like i kind of want like this guy's movie like what's this guy's spinoff story um more than more than some of the other characters um but i think that you're right there's something to his 
you know, his, I mean, turn, his face turn, I guess, uh, to sort of be like, okay, I'll side with John. That sort of speaks to that brotherly, like, let, 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 let's, let's value the people um, that we deal with instead of the rules. Um, and, you know, for him, it's not even the rules, it's just the money. Um, but yeah, it did, it did feel a little bit like there might be more of a payoff for him of like, you know, but I don't know what that could be without like suddenly like a five minute monologue explaining like backstory of just sort of like, you don't remember John Wick, like when I was five (laughs) years old, blah, blah, blah. It's like, Oh, uh, like, you know, which, which I guess I was expecting, but I don't know if we needed. Um, Mm. but yeah, it, it felt like for the amount of times he was around and sort of the amount of like, sort of the amount of the amount we were watching from his perspective, um, it did feel like it was going to be more than just, oh, he learned to, to not just value money. Um, and that, you know, again, dog, you should protect dogs and not hurt dogs because it's bad. It's bad to hurt dogs in, in these movies. It goes poorly. I mean, and in real life, to be clear. And in real life. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> you may not face such immediate consequences as other uh, people in the John Wick movies do, but it's coming for you. Karma will come for you. Uh, I'd say to go back to the original question of favorite yes. fight scene, I'm torn. I think my overall, in terms of as a sequence, I would pick the Osaka Continental. Like if I'm thinking about the totality of it, mm-hmm. uh, because there was just was so much good stuff in there. Like I really loved the Koji's daughter, um, who again I don't have the Wikipedia page open, so I don't remember her name. So maybe you can help me out. Uh, but I love I loved. Her, her reveal, you know, which we, I kind of knew was coming, but still enjoyed her reveal as like also being a really competent fighter, right? And joining the fray. Love that. The, I think Amanda Dobbins also mentioned this, um, on the big picture, but the scene where she's stabbing into the guy as a way to climb up. I also was like, this is amazing. Like, who thought of this? I love just there's a visual. This is incredible. Um, and, and, but then also the, the scene where they're, I think it's, Koji and Kane facing off in the garden. Mm-hmm. This is a gorgeous shot where, where the two with the glow of the lanterns and the two of them are facing each other. And like, it actually reminded me a lot of in the Mandalorian where Ahsoka fights, um, the whatever Morgan Elspeth. Elspeth? Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. but then I realized, oh, I'm thinking that because that's also based on influenced by Samurai right. movies. <laughs> so Samurai like, I'm just like, yeah. I've got the wrong reference, but that's what it reminded me of. So yeah, there was so much cool stuff. And then, um, and so yeah, overall as a stretch of the film, I would think that probably was my favorite, but in terms of a single element in a fight, I got to give a shout out to the dragon's breath bullets. <laughs> Oh my god! The like half half shotgun half I think yes. that's what Sean Fantasy called it half shotgun half flamethrower, and like I knew from when they introduced when they show the guys like loading up, <laughs> and there's just a close up on the box that says Dragon's Breath. I was like, yes, let's do it! Like it's coming, and then it really did not disappoint. Where it's just like, and then that's because also because that sequence vis- visually is so interesting um, as a bird's eye shot. Kind of like, and this is the one I think you're, you're, you earlier you said is based on a, like, is like heavily influenced by video game visuals, right? Is it a specific video game? Okay. To me, it felt like Hotline Miami, which is like a video game that seems very similar to John Wick of just like, I, I honestly don't remember what the plot is, but it's like a very kind of like Miami Vice 80s, but like it was, it only came out in the last like 
decade or so, but it is like a 16-bit style like graphics, mm-hmm. and it's a top-down style, and it's just you're constantly shooting or like even like you think of like Smash Brothers from uh, not not the like Nintendo fighting game, but I think it was called Smash Brothers. Um, but there was it was a game where it was like top down, and there's just like you're basically always shooting, and you're you're using one controller to move around and another one to sort of turn your weapon, uh, and again swarms and swarms of enemies, and yeah, it was amazing because that's like that's probably the like virtuoso shot of the movie is like you know Keanu Reeves coming up a flight of stairs, the camera's sort of moving with him. And then just keeps rising as he enters the room and is shooting people and then just perches in, in like top down bird's eye view. And it's just a full like, yeah, like Metal Gear work through of I'm just naming a bunch of games that reminds me of, I guess. Um, but a whole like, <laughs> no, it's great. like series of things. And like that weapon feels so video gamey, like where because uh, I also also listen to the Big Picture podcast and Sean Fanks is like, I've never seen a weapon like that. And it's just like, I, I have. It's like, yeah, like a, a fire <laughs> shotgun. I don't know. I don't know what it's called. I don't think it's real, but like... But, that's but like, as a as like a cinematic visual, I thought it was incredible where it's just like, because it's basically tiny fireworks coming out of a mm-hmm. gun. Um, and it just, yeah, it made it just the... And that combined with the lighting in that scene and the, and the camera angle, it was just, it was all working together. And I really... I feel like I have in a movie. I haven't seen anything like that in a very long yeah. time. Yeah, so. I'm sorry. I, I I didn't mean to dismiss the scene. That was you. You have named my second and third scenes. I was going to say nice. Um, right. So we we were we were in line with what the best action scenes the, were. The other, and this will be the last. I think before we move on, the last thing I'll add is like in the what I didn't mention earlier in the Osaka Continental scene is like the introduction of of Kane's character and how mm-hmm. he fights. Uh, and the, how he's setting in the tapping, I feel like it, and it's just like incredible acting from Donnie Yen, where he's just like constantly tapping on things to sort of feel the vibrations, I assume, right? And, and, mm-hmm. or to hear, right? Because he's blind. And, and then how he's the scene where he sets up the little motion sensors. Yeah. Because I think I'm dumb. Like I originally, I was like, I wonder what those are going to do. And then, oh, yeah. like, cause I was like, oh, are they helping him? Are they like vibe? Like, are they helping him sonically in some way? figure out where where to go or like where people are um i wasn't i didn't think they're motion sensors and so when the guys come through and you see that it's like beep, 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 <laughs> i was just like this is genius i love it yeah it's it's just like someone going into like a convenience store it's the same it's just yeah. like like home depot you know bulk purchase motion sensor i thought it was a bomb i was like oh it's gonna be a little bomb that blows up and take some guy out um didn't even think twice about it being anything else until the sensor happens and yeah again cackle cackle time we have somehow not mentioned um, that Donnie Yen's character is blind until now, which is why you made the Rogue One reference earlier. It is interesting that it, now it feels like, you know, Donnie Yen has made so many movies, um, you know, throughout his career, but now his two, I think it's fair to say his two biggest, uh, you know, Hollywood, uh, uh, North American roles and performances would make many people be like, oh, I guess that guy's blind. Like he plays the blind Mark. I mean, also, also hero. I assume you're, I assume you're counting oh, John, John Wick and, and Rogue One, but yeah, and Hero, he's also. I guess I thought Hero was a Hong Kong movie, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't I'm remember. misremembering. Anyway, just you're re- right, and Hero, he also, yeah, that's he's really cornered the market. I mean, um, you're probably right. Technically, it probably is not Hollywood, but it's like I feel like it it made it across. It was big, like it was big. Yeah, yeah it, it right. was it was like next to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in terms of mm-hmm. like it's sort of like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is the Spirit Away. 
but then <laughs> yep. but then hero is like the howl's moving castle or whatever, you know like it's like right. the the next it came in the, it came the, in the door that crouching tiger opened and yeah. everyone was like yes and it that made might a not, bunch of money. if you're if you're a Miyazaki fan, that's probably not the best analogy. So please correct me or give me a better one. <laughs> give me a better cop. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah. So yes, I think. And, and what I love is that his blindness is never, at least to me, right. And obviously I am not, I am, I am an able person. I'm not blind. And so I can't really speak to the authenticity of this, but to me, they really seem to represent his blindness, not as a disability right or like mm-hmm. it's not a hindrance right he's just, like he has his fight style is formed by like influenced by it and has to kind of be built around it but it and it is distinct in a lot of ways because he's blind but it's not at no point is he seen as like weaker because he's blind mm-hmm. like there's maybe one time john wick like tells him where someone is and he's like thanks man <laughs> yeah but but that's really it yeah, the only moment I can remember is when they're in Berlin. Uh, another great sequence that isn't in my top sequence, but the Berlin thing where they're meeting. Oh, with the water. With, oh, that's with the nice. guy um, who uh, is is uh, the uh, he he's a British martial arts guy who's in a fat suit. Uh, who I thought was Steve Coogan the whole movie, but he's not. He's Scott he's, Atkins. He's Scott Atkins. Uh, correct. Uh, and, and they're, he's handing out the cards, like he's a will do one hand. And at one point, like as a joke, cause Donnie and like realizes this guy's going to be cheating. He like picks up his cards and looks at them and goes, Oh, and then puts them down, even though it's like, he wouldn't know what the cards are. And like, that's the only <laughs> time I remember an explicit, like I'm blind, like, like yeah, he's yeah. like calling it out. Uh, and he's doing it and it's as a joke and you know, felt appropriate for, you know, for the scene. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. You know, I'm, I think anytime someone is performing with something, a, a, a quality, a, a, an ability or disability that, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, couldn't they have had someone uh, who actually has that? But, um, you know, I, but I can't speak to that, but uh, it felt like a, a, uh, you know, non-condescending performance. Right. Uh, it wasn't and... like a joke that he was blind. Exactly. Right. Um Okay, so we are going to move towards wrapping up. I guess any other standouts for you that we feel feel like we haven't mentioned? The one Either thing performances, performances or sequences or anything about the film. Uh, well, the one thing I'll say, which I'll I was going to label it a performance, but it really is the sequence of it. Uh, it's the radio DJ uh, who shows up in uh, in Paris when there's there's the. Uh, what, what seems to be the administrative offices of the like assassin network, um, which we have seen in earlier movies. It's all these tattooed women who, but are, are in like a 50s style, like they have switchboards and like old typewriters and they've set in like the eight, where they have any computer screens that are like very 80s monochrome. Uh, and they're, they send out they're like, here's the new bounty for someone. And then they make phone calls about it. Um, and apparently it is in the bottom of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, we learn in this movie and also has a radio station. Um, the radio station is WUXIA, which is incredible. Um, as the, uh, as the name of the station and is like, do you want to explain for those who don't know? Cause not everyone sure. might know the reference. Um, it's, uh, it, it is, um, I, I believe Wuxia is the way that it's pronounced, uh, in Chinese. And that's the term in Chinese for sort of like, heroic tales i guess is the literal translation um but it's it's like the term for 
Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Hero, for those sort of martial arts uh, epics that have like a historical flair, but also that like that wire work that got imported into America uh, via the Matrix and the stunt coordinator, um, who's now the director of the John Wick movies. Um, so uh, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's like that's a whole genre. It's a genre of of action movies. Um, uh, that and it's sort of a shout out to that, which um, yeah, again, like cackle. Full, full crowd cackle. But yeah, it's this idea of, uh, there's, you know, there's this woman who is, uh, playing, playing these songs, which is like French versions of like classic pop songs. Um, and just giving very thinly veiled updates about where John Wick is and how everyone should go and kill him. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's incredible. It, it's very, it's sort of like, you know, it's the Warriors. It's the, it's the DJ from the Warriors, um, combined, you know, a little bit. Um, and, you know, maybe this is just my thinking on it. Um, but it reminded me of, um, the, uh, character Adrian Burbau. I'm not, I'm not pronouncing her name correctly. Um, but the woman from The Fog, uh, John Carpenter's The Fog, who ends up like she's in her radio station, uh, and it's sort of trapped there, but then gives the updates to everyone else about where the fog is and where it's moving. Um, so, uh, just that was incredible. That was, um, you know, given how we were at that point, what, eight? nine hours into the John Wick movies, I didn't think there could be another wrinkle of the sort of world building that would uh, get to me uh, as much as that did. Uh, and, and yet it did. No, How about no you? I agree. I remember thinking like, Oh, this is so, this would never show up in so in most other movies. You know, this is, this is so it speaks to the stylishness of these films, which also I feel like makes them sort of rise above other films within the genre. Um, and yeah, and the world, the world building, I feel like, yeah, I'm a, if you are doing a good job building a new world that I want to learn more about, that's an easy way to hook me into your movie. Uh, mm -hmm. that's why I flipped out over Dune, <laughs> you know, that's last year. Dune. And then, yeah, Dune, you know, any excuse to mention Dune. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, I think, and I think it's those scenes, which, functionally are not that necessary right Sorry. like yes they do lend a sense of dynamism to the fight sequence right because it, it it you know literally breaks them up right we're cutting back mm -hmm. and forth between the art the cars crashing each with each other in the arc of triumph which we didn't even mention <laughs> like so many things we didn't mention i know okay. um and but the and then cutting back to just the extreme close-up on her mouth in, in front of the mic it's just yeah um Again, such a sense of style. I love it. Um, all right. So to wrap up, you know, I want to, when we review an individual film, I want to end with, since we are really obsessed with the Oscars, I want to end with an Oscars watch. So what do you think the chances of John Wick 4? <laughs> Most people might not assume it has any chances, but do you feel like it has any Oscars prospects? So, you know, it, it's, it's a long shot um, for sure. Uh, I feel like, in, you know, sort of the the one that if I if I had to make some sort of a bet on it, um, and I don't, but if I if I if I did, uh, I would specifically sound because the sound was incredible, and that's a space where it's like okay, like this is just a big action movie. We don't quite know where else. It's not like really there there are surely plenty of visual effects in it, but it's not obviously. It's very like sort of, you know, physical, practical work. Um, so visual effects wouldn't really be a place for this. But I think that 
sound is the one that I think it's most likely to happen. Yeah. Now, does it? Is it possible this is this year's Top Gun Maverick? And this is uh, maybe not above the line, but could it be the movie where it's just sort of like we get to October, November, December, and people are like, you know what movie? John Wick 4. Like that movie was great. Uh, it made a bunch of money. Everyone is into it. Uh, and, you know, it, it's the culmination of, of this whole story. And it's just sort of like, oh, I mean, do we want to like talk about the production design? Do we want to talk about the cinematography? Like, are we going to be into that? I don't think that would happen. But, um, you know, there's there's a potential path forward. There's obviously a bunch of other movies that could stake uh, uh, stake that claim. You know, Mission Impossible could do that. Um, and yeah, Jones could do that if, that's, if that is really popular. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always the possibility of some, you know, maybe Guardians 3 even uh, could do that if, if it really, that really like sort of closes the Guardians trilogy out well. Um, I, I will uh, make, uh, I've got a little pitch of what I hope, uh, the, something I want the Academy to do. And I think, um, you know, I'm not alone. Many people have called for it. Um, uh, and that would be to establish, uh, and this would be a great year to do it, uh, a stunt category, uh, stunt performer. Um, a lot of people have been pushing for this. This would be an amazing movie to win the inaugural, uh, stunt Oscar. Um, the last time they tried to add an Oscar, uh, was when they were talking about the best popular movie. Um, which was a debacle of an idea, but that wasn't announced until August. So I don't know what the process is for figuring out like what governing body uh, or whatever has to like propose something. Um, but I mean, it's March. And uh, again, last time wasn't announced until August. They haven't put a new category in for over 20 years since best animated feature was included. So, uh, you know, it feels like this could be the time. And if they did do that, there's no indication they're going to, but except for the drumbeat of people saying it should happen. Um, but if it did, like that would be the move. This would be the, the movie that could, uh, get in there for such a category yeah no that makes sense and i've definitely heard even before this movie came out i've heard lots of rumblings about why don't we have this right it's past mm -hmm. due there's this is a huge part of the industry that just totally goes unacknowledged sag i, I believe has a best stunt ensemble but yes. that, that leaves out all of the sort of crew i think behind a lot of stunts um yeah. right so yeah i think it's definitely something that'd be amazing i would also put put this in potentially for costume design. I oh, love sure. all the costumes in this, uh, especially all of um, the Marquis suits. <sighs> yes. Amazing suit work. Uh, and then, and, and, you know, the, some of the suits become functional in the story, right? The Kevlar suit John Wick <laughs> uses, he covers his face and he runs around with his yes. head behind his suit because, which took me too long to figure out why he was doing that. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. Oh wait, it's Kevlar. Right. <laughs> He's protecting his head. Uh, this makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that, it would be great. It'd be great for for this movie to have a lone nomination, even somewhere. It would be amazing would just be, to get a little bit of acknowledgement. It would be wonderful. It's you know, it, it, it is March. I know we're in a post everything everywhere all at once world, where movies uh, can come out in March and win Oscars. Uh, but it's probably not not going to happen. I don't think most people are thinking of it as an Oscar play, but it does have a lot of goodwill. Uh, it could carry forward. Um, the only other category, I mean, I really like the music. I thought the score was really good and it like shifted genres based on the kind of action from the, um, uh, you know, the sort of the, the uh, very heavily electronic in the dance club in Berlin to the sort of Western Morricone style in uh, uh, at the duel at the end. So, you know, that's potentially something 
I just assume it's going to get swamped by uh, other movies as they go forward. But um, that's okay. The jacket, holding up the jacket was, that was maybe like, that was the biggest leap of like, okay, I just have to go with this. That's fine. The jacket's like a shield too. Um, which it, it led to, speaking of the sound design, the great, uh, you know, sort of joke at the end when they're taking, John was taking off his jacket uh, and the vest for the duel. And it's just all the sounds of the shells that have been caught by the jacket, like hitting the ground. Um, that was hilarious. Uh, that was, you know, again, you know, this is not a believable movie. Uh, I have to suspend disbelief that it's like, okay, I guess that's how these things work and why he can keep getting shot at very close range and it's not a problem. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I think, I think we, uh, we've, we've done enough Yes, <laughs> at this point. We've uh, done half of John Wick chapter four. Right. We've, we've mostly done, this movie is awesome. Go see it. Uh, so, you know, if, if, if um, you have people in your life who you think are sleeping on this movie and you've, and they've seen it, I, I think, you know, Although maybe they don't need it because it's also I was going to say the Top Gun Maverick is comp is very apt because this movie is killing it at the box office right now. Mm -hmm. It's just doing super well. It's the number one movie in the world. Right. And like it's just opening weekend. So it could even just like who knows where it's going to go from here. So I think, yeah, that's a good one to to at least a sleeper, a good sleeper to keep an eye on. Um, All right. So thank you so much, PT, for breaking down this amazing action movie. Uh. And allowing me to relive what was so fun about it when I saw it in the theater the other day. So where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on many social media sites with uh, inactive accounts uh, under PT McNiff, PT MCNIFF, Letterboxd, Instagram, uh, Hive, Social, Mastodon, some some uh part of the fediverse i'm there um but uh probably letterbox and instagram would be the best the best places to uh, uh to, to try to catch up with me all right awesome i uh, thank you for having me jen this was uh, as always wonderful and uh yeah super glad that we got to discuss a very fun movie I'm I'm sure it's this is less fun to do when it's just like we didn't enjoy it but uh but i was glad to do it with this one because this movie's great and everyone who's even potentially thinking about it should go see it. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I think next week we are hopefully going to have a movie preview, a like a year in preview episode potentially coming up. We'll, we'll, or at least that's in the works. So stay tuned for that. And then also I'm trying to plan uh, with Greg and his friend, Ben also known as director Benick uh, and a review of air, the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Air Jordan movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. which apparently is really good. Looks good. I wouldn't have guessed that necessarily <laughs> based on the trailer, but apparently it's getting great reviews. So yeah, so stay tuned. We're, we're going to have lots more, lots more movie goodness for you coming up. So thanks again, PT. And until next time. Thank you for listening. You can follow The Long Take on Substack at thelongtake.substack.com. Subscribe for free to receive reviews of films with Oscar buzz, as well as new films and series from pop franchises like Star Wars and Marvel.